0: Welcome to the William & Mary Law School Podcast. I'm Adam Gershowitz. Uh, today we're going to talk with Professor Allison Orr-Larson, an expert on constitutional law and administrative law and a professor here at William & Mary. Our topic for the day is Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals, which you may know as DACA or the law governing dreamers. We're going to talk about what that law is, why it's controversial from a legal perspective, Um, The recent changes imposed by the Trump administration, some challenges to the law, and really what's going to come next. So welcome, Professor Larson.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: So let's start out with a simple question. What is DACA? What does it
1: affect? So DACA was a policy announced in 2012 under President Obama. And as you said, it applies to young people who are undocumented here illegally, but who satisfy six criteria, including they came here as children, they were under 16 years old when they came to the United States, and they've been here for the last five years, And they've been in school or in the military, and they haven't been convicted of a felony, and they're not yet 31. So as you said, this is the population known as dreamers. It's a pretty sympathetic group, young people who came here as kids illegally but not on their own and who've never known another country to be home. So the slang is being documented, which means they've successfully applied through this federal program, and they've submitted to the government all of their information, their address, their date of birth. They've paid $500. And if they're successfully found to qualify, if they get documented, then they get three really valuable things. They get the biggest benefit, which is known in immigration law as deferred action, which is a significant decrease in the likelihood of deportation for two years. Um, Now, deferred action pre-existed DACA, but they've been doing it since the 80s, but it's more typically done in a case-by-case basis and not through broad classifications like this. The other two big benefits are work authorization, um, and under existing law, employers are prohibited from hiring unauthorized aliens unless the attorney general, or now the DHS, authorizes the person to live here, and if you're documented, you're authorized and you get a work a work authorization. And the last one is Medicare and Social Security, and again, this is by virtue of pre-existing laws. So there are about 800,000 total DREAMers who've been documented. It's a pretty big program. Um and it was controversial at the time.
0: Yeah, so why would you say it's controversial? Obviously, 800,000 is a lot of people, but what's the legal part of it or substantive part of it that you'd say is controversial?
1: I mean, there's there's two flavors to the controversy. So the first is um, a constitutional controversy. It's a, it's a criticism coming out of the separation of powers, and the claim is basically, hey, the president can't change the law on his own. His job is to execute the law and implement DACA. What he's doing is changing the law indeed uh congress tried unsuccessfully to pass the dream act and he took matters into his own hands and actually said i've just changed the law when he announced it probably making his lawyers cringe Um, now he has a good counter argument he can say look we can't deport everybody who is here illegally and what i'm doing in daca is just an exercise of prosecutorial discretion which is an executive function that's what the president's supposed to do The second criticism, and this one doesn't get as much attention outside of admin law nerds like me, is that DACA is a substantive change that requires notice and comment rulemaking under a big statute called the APA, or the Administrative Procedure Act. DACA was announced by a federal agency, the DHS, and under the APA, an agency can only issue substantive rules or rules that have the force of law if they go through this cumbersome procedural process called notice and comment. And uh, the president didn't do that. Now, the only way he's allowed to get out of these procedural hurdles is if he can show that DACA is what's known as a guidance document, that it's not a change in the law, it's kind of just an FYI of how we're going to guide our discretion within the agency. Um, And that's a second controversy is whether or not DACA is just a guidance document, this is how we're going to enforce the immigration laws, or if it's a change in the law, which would need to go through notice and comment.
0: So obviously there was not notice and comment under the APA. What what change exactly did President Trump make to DACA last month, and wh- why is it that he did it?
1: Well, so in September, President Trump announced that he was going to end DACA in six months. And the rationale came from Attorney General Jeff Sessions, and he said the president has to end the program because it was illegal in the first place. And by this, he means it was an executive overreach by the president. It was a violation of separation of powers and a procedurally invalid rule under the APA. It should have been passed with notice and comment. By the way, the timing's not a coincidence. The president announced this change on the eve of a lawsuit that was being filed by a bunch of conservative state AGs who were going to challenge DACA in court. Um, Now, something important to note is the president did not base his decision as an exercise of prosecutorial discretion. So he didn't say, look, in my opinion, dreamers are the type of people that should be deported. The sole reason he gave for ending the program was that he said it was illegal to begin with, that his hands were tied. And that move may have consequences.
0: Can he just do that, though? Can he just end DACA as a program? And related to that, I've heard that lawsuits have been filed by attorneys general in certain states uh, to try to stop that. What, what kind of lawsuits are we talking about? And can the president, in fact, just end that program?
1: Well, I mean, as my dad always says, what's good for the goose is good for the gander, you know, and that's and that's a big part of this controversy. If, in fact, DACA is justified as a matter of prosecutorial discretion, then it's kind of hard to deny the choice to whatever prosecutors at the wheel. Um, That being said, there are some lawsuits challenging it. Some of these claims are claims of racial animus, like the arguments in the travel ban case, although in this instance, they're not talking about animus towards Muslims, but rather animus towards Mexicans who make up a fair number of the Dreamers. I think the most interesting challenge, though, is about the APA. So remember, I said the president ended DACA solely on the grounds that it was passed illegally. So one of the claims in the lawsuit that was filed against President Trump's decision is that his decision was arbitrary and capricious because DACA was perfectly legal in 2012 when the president, president Obama started it. So this argument has to go through a few steps, and it's definitely not without challenges. The first is to go through the arguments I just made. Look, DACA is perfectly legal. It's just prosecutorial discretion. It's just a guidance document. And the second step would be, and agencies aren't allowed to act in an arbitrary way, and by just telling us that DACA was illegal incorrectly, the president has acted arbitrarily. Um, Now, one problem of this, one limit to this argument is that if President Trump gives another reason for ending DACA, then that just takes the air out of the balloon. Um, It's also a little weird to deem arbitrary a decision that's based on a good faith understanding of the law that the courts don't ultimately share. So I'm not sure how successful this lawsuit will be, but those are the claims.
0: So we have lawsuits that are pending. We also have a legislative branch. What is it you think is going to happen next? Does this really just all end up in the lap of Congress, and and where do we go from here?
1: So if Congress legislates with respect to DREAMers, then this all goes away. Um, Remember, DACA was passed after legislative attempts stalled in Congress to begin with, and Congress has really wide discretion with respect to immigration laws. So this is their problem to solve if they want to solve it, and that would just end all of the controversy. If they don't act, that's when things get dicey. So the, the president has indicated that he may change his mind about ending DACA in March, but that would be an admission that the policy was legal, I suppose, because he wouldn't be able to continue an illegal policy. And that may be a hard argument for him to make politically now that he's been on the other side of it.
0: Thank you, Professor Larson, for that really helpful update and understanding of what DACA is and where we go from here.
1: Okay. Thank you.